The following is a hoop ball presentation. I guess we'll now call this Dan Day because normally on the regular hoop ball show on Wednesdays it's Brandon Day, but today it's a Thursday. And boy, I have Dan Bespris, the king of hoop ball fantasy. I guess I'll call you the prince of hoop ball fantasy because yeah. really, Brew is the king. Brew is the king. But I guess we'll call you Prince. Does that work with you? And I'm fine I guess with I'll that. say Happy Dan Day to you. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, I didn't I I went into this like any other Thursday, thinking it was just going to be Thursday, and then it became Dan Day. Yeah, I, I think. I've been, you know, the the kids been watching a lot of Aladdin lately, so I think I'd like to be uh, the the royal vizier. Can I be the royal vizier of Hootball and uh, and Brew can be the Sultan? Sure. I Thank mean, you. I haven't seen Aladdin in probably twenty five years, so I'm just going to go and take your word for it. If you adopt uh, a three year old, that'll I don't even know what that means. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just believe you because my nephews are six and two, and they don't really watch many movies. Yeah, so we gave I'll up on that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're bad parents. It's fine, though. He's a smart kid. No, I mean, they just can't really sit there. They're, they're either afraid or they can't sit there, it's just, uh, which I, I don't blame them. I mean, I, I understand. It's I, I was like that at that age, too. I couldn't sit for more than 30 seconds. And, yeah, there are certain things I was afraid of. And so, you know what? Still am. But you know it what happens. I was afraid of? I, so, well, let's do the Disney hour here also. Uh, Ursula. In the Little Mermaid scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid. Mm, I could see that. The other villains didn't bug me that much, but Ursula really, whatever it was, she was like, there was something about it where I don't, I don't know. There, I could be psychoanalyzed on this one. I'm sure. I don't know what that means, but Ursula, most terrifying Disney villain. I'll, I'll plant my flag in that one. There are a couple of bad ones. Um, I think I remember being really scared initially when I saw Home Alone with the Bird Lady. Uh, the one that had all those pigeons flying around her, that was not great. And then I think there was another one. I didn't think you were going uh, that way. Yeah, well, I did. And Lion King, I think Mufasa was. Is that the? Bi- I haven't seen the new no, one Mufasa's yet. Mufasa is the good one. That's James Earl Jones. Scar the is bad the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. See, that one's a little scary too. Yeah. By the way, this is Hootball Clippers. No, so, uh, yes. No. If you haven't listened to our <laughs> Wednesday show yet. This is clearly this is normal for uh, Dan and I. We we just tend to go on little tangents, but yeah, this is the Hoopball Clippers uh, fantasy show, and I uh, hope you're enjoying this so far. We are going to talk Clippers, I promise you. Uh, uh, don't be so sure. You listen. Yeah. I'm I'm the issue here. It's very clear. I listened to your first two episodes, Brandon. They were very professional and reasonable, and then you brought me on, and it all fell apart in a heartbeat. So clearly, the problem is me. I think that's true, actually. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, I guess, there. hey, there's only so many things that you can want in life, and one of them is a guest that uh, is good, and I guess we're going to have to struggle and get mediocre on this one, yep. but that's okay. I'm good That's with okay. That. All right, well, should we get into it? I think we should. All right. All right. Well, first of all, at Hoopball Clips is the uh, Twitter handle, at BD Marcus. He's at Dan Bespris, um, and this is the Hoopball Clips show, and we are going to talk Clippers basketball, and first... Um, let's say happy birthday to Boban because he's no longer a Clipper, but Dan, he is one of the biggest Clippers of all time, um, in both hearts and stature, right? So happy birthday, Boban. Happy birthday, Boban. The funniest man in the NBA. I, I, he's never been on any of the teams that I've quote unquote 
uh, rooting for, but I will always root for Boban. He's incredible, man. Actor, uh, philanthropist. I don't know if that's actually true. And uh, all around good guy. Yeah, I I think that's true. I I think you can put whatever you want next to his name. and It's probably true. Um, Some Clippers news. Let's quickly address the deal that went down officially today. Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson. Patrick Patterson. Oh, boy. That's a football player, right? Yeah, that is. Patrick Patterson. One year, 2.3. Curious to get your take on this, Dan, because my take is I'm a little confused by why they're signing him because the two biggest needs, in my opinion, are a backup point guard, now that you got rid of Shea, and a big that can help Zubots in the yeah. middle because you have Trez as your backup big. Michael Green will play a little bit there too, but I think you need someone bigger. And now you just have another wing to go with the likes of Magruder and Harkless and Kawhi and PG. And, and I'm not sure it makes a lot of sense. Do you think it makes sense? No, I don't. I don't fully understand it. He feels he feels superfluous. And maybe I'm missing the same thing that you are here. I feel like maybe you and I are, we're both like scratching our heads going, what is this one obvious thing that we're missing? Like, is Jamichael Green actually hurt? And none of us know it? Because by all accounts, Patrick Patterson is just like a not as good Jamichael Green. Yeah, and I think the, the plan is that Jamichael Green, I think, might start at the four. Yeah, and maybe this is just cover for him off the bench. Um, maybe they'll move him to the five. I don't know. I th- they like their versatility. There's no doubt about that. They like guys that can defend three positions, and Patterson can do that. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. And I had this gripe with Iguodala when everyone was talking about, oh, uh, Iguodala makes so much sense for the Clippers. Um, their roster, by the way, now is at 14. And, and you wonder, why Iguodala? I mean, why not a backup point guard or, like I said, a backup big? It feels like there's other needs right now um, you talk about injuries, maybe they're a little more concerned about Paul George than what is being let on because there has been a rumor that's come out that he's going to be missing the first six weeks of the season. Hmm. That, I mean, that's the only way that this signing totally makes sense. Although, uh, and I know we're going to be talking about the boogie stuff in just a little bit. It's, it's uh, mm-hmm. one of the large reasons that I'm here on this podcast doing the, doing the non-Lakers rounds. Uh, Boogie was one of the main reasons, I thought at least, that the Clippers needed another very large man on the interior, and now that need is sort of wiped away. Like, you look at you look at the other teams that the Clippers could have to go through in the playoffs, and Houston, uh, fast, slender big man in Clint Capella. Um, who else is on the table here? What, you, about, what about Denver? I mean, you and, I, you and I talked about them on Fantasy NBA Today on Wednesday. Um, about maybe Jokic and Plumley as two guys that are a little bigger. Yeah, they are a little bit. I guess Denver falls into that category as well. It was sort of Denver and the Lakers were kind of the two teams where you look at it and you're like, we could probably use somebody to just try to give Boogie, give Anthony Davis when he's playing the five, give Jokic someone to just like stick an elbow in their back. That little thing. Because Zubats is going to... You know, he's he's not as athletic as those guys. And then Montrez is hyper-athletic, but he's not as big as those other guys. So there was kind of that need. I still feel like somehow along the way this year, the le- the, le- the Clippers are going to end up, like, prying Aaron Baines away from Phoenix. But then now maybe that'll be the Lakers that's trying to do that instead. So, uh, yeah, weird, weird set of news today between the two teams. I don't think they're linked, 
because we heard Patrick Patterson was going to go to the Clippers right when he first got bought out like two weeks yeah. ago, and then it just didn't happen for 15 days for some reason. So maybe this was all just like, oh, we'll get you the paperwork when we get you the paperwork. But it is a little bit weird that it happened right after the other big news today. Yeah, I know that he had to be first released, and then he probably had to go through waivers is, uh, is what I think. I don't really know the exact process there. Um, but yeah, I think it did go a little bit longer than it should. Normally those deals are done after a couple of days. I don't think the two go hand in hand. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but for the Clippers now, you wonder, are they done? I mean, are they get what's next? Because do you go into the season thinking you're okay? And maybe like you said, wait until the buyout market. And at that point you can go after your guard or your center. But it really seems like if they're okay, going into the season, then that means that they're comfortable with Shamit at the one behind Patrick Beverly, and they're okay with the other guys like PG and Kawhi maybe playing the one, too, um, two as in, as well. You wonder. Uh, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting, though. Yeah, I, T, I don't know. T-double-O I mean, there. That was, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that this actually very similar to the Lakers situation, where you have a team built on non-point guard superstars, so your point guards don't really have to be traditional point guards. They're just they're just guards, really. You have two guards. You make sure that they can defend the guy on the opposite side and space the floor. That's that's really the job of non-superstars in the modern NBA. For whatever reason, that's just the way things have moved now. So that makes a lot of sense. Landry Shamit, floor spacing. Sure, the fact that he can handle the basketball a little bit is going to be helpful, but he's not going to be running the offense. It's going to be... Your two main cogs, uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Lou Williams off the bench. The other guys are going to be basically receiving passes on almost every play. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. I, for me, when I look at this Clippers team as kind of the outside perspective, the big man was the one that jumped out to me. That Zubats, Montrez, there's, there's something that there's a lot of good there, but there's something big missing there. Uh, and so I still think that's got to be something that they address with this sort of final move, whenever that happens to be. Yeah, I was talking to Justin Wilson about Lou Williams, uh, Justin Wilson, who runs LA Clippers film. And it's interesting because we're used to Lou Williams being on the floor at the end of games. And we both think it's very possible that with Paul George and Kawhi there, there may not be a need for Lou Williams since he can't help you as much in the defensive end. And you're not needing a guy like Lou to get you a bucket when you have those other two guys. So the one thing that'll be interesting is if he's playing the one or if maybe he gets shifted over to the two um, in the reserve role with Shamit playing the one. That It'll be interesting to see what the Clippers do. They obviously have versatility. There's no doubt about that. But the one thing that does worry me, and this is when you can kind of bring in the fantasy side of this, Dan, is that you don't look at the stats and you just blow past assists. Assists is something that's very important because it shows you how much a team is sharing the basketball and especially assist-to-turnover ratio is important. And for the Clippers, it'll be interesting to see where those assists come from. It's going to have to be a team effort, you would think, because you're not going to have any guard that is going to be racking up six to eight assists a game. No. Patrick Beverly is going to fall into some, but yeah, it's going to be Pat for some, Paul for some, Kawhi for some. Uh, I think you're going to hopefully get some passing 
out of your four and five guys, depending on you know who who they might be, and yeah, that might be Kawhi Leonard every once in a while. So we'll 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 move that off the page here for for the point of this discussion. You're probably going to have you might have four guys on the Clippers this year that average three and a half assists or higher, and zero players on the Clippers that average six or higher. But this, I mean, it it has worked before. I think it's going to take some getting used to. There's a lot of new pieces together in that first unit. Yeah, I think it'll take some time to figure out who's going to play what role. But eventually, when it comes down to January, February, we'll have a better idea. Hey, that um, that we'll Lou Williams point is a good one. I, I almost don't want to let that one go for a minute. What yeah. is his role in the fourth quarter? He was the closer for the Clippers I last think year. It means that he will take on more of a role earlier in the fourth quarter as opposed to being a guy that maybe has to play the entire fourth and gets tired towards the end of games. Um, Justin and I were talking about how Lou Williams' minutes might be more important at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, and then at the end of the first, beginning of the second, where he's going to take on a role where your bench production won't drop and you'll still have that scoring. And he's not a guy that can continue to play 30-plus minutes a game. He's just going to get tired at some point. So you wonder... If you need a bucket, sure, you can put him on the floor in the fourth quarter at the end of games. But at the same time, you're going to need at least one or two bigs on the floor, plus a couple of guards and Pat Beverly and then whoever they want to put on there, who want to put on the floor with him, whether that be a guy like Shamit um, or Lou. And they figure it out. I think they're going to mix and match. I don't think there's going to be a consistent five that you see at the end of games at least not until about halfway through the season here's what i'm looking for i think that the clippers have a best case model in their head now you can correct me if i'm wrong you watched more clippers basketball than i did last year but i watched a fair amount obviously you and i are both angelinos so you know we get our fox sports prime ticket or whatever it's called these days uh the clippers were down often after their first unit left the floor this recent season correct yeah, there were a lot of times where their second unit, their first unit actually, I think, had ended up with one of the better numbers in terms of plus minus. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of times where the bench unit had to be relied on to get the lead back. So now the the shift here is that you're looking at a first unit that has Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in it. They're not going to be leaving games with large deficits particularly often there will be obviously there's a lot of uh, dice rolling involved in a long NBA season but I think the optimal scenario now for the Clippers is use that powerhouse second unit and run them as long as you can early in the ball game like you might see a Lou Williams led offense go for seven eight nine minutes between the first and second quarter and if it's working well, you just let them go Right, like if it, if they're adding points to a lead or they're eliminating points from a deficit, there are a lot of ways to work Lou in uh, that maybe turn games into blowouts in the at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth. You open up room where you don't have to use Kawhi and Paul George as often. Uh, now that's not going to work every night. I do think that I think there's a very reasonable chance he's not on the floor. Uh, well, you know what? I, I take that back. I think he's probably out there at the end of the game, uh, but I think you might see a lot of sort of offense-defense subbing this year where maybe they didn't have to do it as much last season. Yeah, but if you put him on the floor, and then you're going to say Pat Beverly is on the floor at the same time, which will be interesting to see if, they're, if they are, then you have Lou, Pat, PG, and Kawhi. 
And there are a lot of guys that can be that fifth one. So it would be interesting to see if they do that. That'll be one of the best storylines, I think, to follow for the Clippers is who's out there to close games. And you bring up a good point where you talk about load management and guys that sit out games. And the Clippers have 13 back-to-backs this year. And we'll see how many of them Kawhi and PG actually play. But you can load manage in regular games if the guys don't need to play the fourth. And so if they're able, like you said, to extend the lead out there in the second quarter and then the starters build on that in the third, it's game over after three quarters. Uh, And you have a bench that's not going to blow it because you know that these guys like Trez and Lou are very capable of scoring and keeping that lead. I'm reminded of, I think it was February of 2018, where the Toronto Raptors starters played one fourth quarter over the span of like eight games. Do you remember that insane stretch? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it was crazy. I tweeted a bunch of stuff about it and like all of the Toronto blogosphere picked up on my... It's like <laughs> I went big in Canada for 22 hours. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. It was pretty good. I have I have family in Winnipeg. I'm sure they were very proud of me. Uh, and that, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I think the Clippers are hoping to draw upon this year. Build leads, expand leads... You can shave off games missed by shaving off minutes played. I mean, that's an easier way to do it. You just put less of a strain on the body. Uh, Now, the only problem with all of this is that the Western Conference is a ridiculous gauntlet of superheroes that you all have to go through. The West is insane, man. Like, you're going to have to do your blowing out against, like, the bottom seven teams in the East because they're all terrible. Yeah, and there are a couple teams in the West. Um, Phoenix looking at you that clearly are going to get picked on. Yeah, So it'll be interesting to see how the Clippers manage their minutes. Um, We talked about, obviously, Patrick Patterson, what he'll bring. But what about Ty Lue? Because now there is a report from Mark Stein that Ty Lue is close to becoming an assistant on Doc's staff. And supposedly he'll be the associate head coach. So who would have thought that there would be a team in L.A. that would have Ty Lue on their staff and Kawhi, and it wouldn't be the Lakers. Super, it's be the Clippers. dude. How I'm so I'm so curious the length of the deal, because remember that was we had the two different sides basically putting out kind of different notes on the Lakers. Uh, their discussions with Tyloo coming to an end. Um, Tyloo was saying that he uh, it wasn't going to be a good fit. Lakers said that he wanted. I think it was, I don't know, they, they said like he wanted too much money and Ty Lue said they didn't give me enough uh, enough years. They wanted to just sign him for the, Le- the LeBron era and he wanted to say, look, and if you want me, you want me for LeBron and what comes after. If Ty Lue signs a, a two, a three or fewer years deal with the Clippers, then this is 100% a troll job at that point. Right, because there's no other, there's no other reason for him to turn down a three year deal with one LA team and go take the exact same length deal with the other than to stick it in the eye of whoever in the Lakers wouldn't give him the extra season, whether it's a bus family member or or Rob Palinka or whoever it might have been, uh, because like analytically he's not that fantastic of a coach. I'm sure he can bring a certain something, you know, if he's going to be in kind of an uh, associate role, so working just underneath Doc, so he'll be working on more specific things. But like his job in Cleveland was to make sure that everybody got along in a LeBron James era team, right? Like David Blatt was the guy who set the offense for that, 
and it didn't change much. They just like more people on the perimeter when he came on. Uh, this is this is odd. This is very odd. It's like he just wanted to be in L.A. and you know when the worst first thing didn't happen, he got a cake. Man, the Lakers gave him a cake, and he mm. didn't and he didn't sign there. I really got to know, Brandon, how long this deal is going to be because I. I Twitter's going to go crazy if it hasn't already. Well, the coaching thing with the length of the deal makes sense, whereas he didn't want to be tied to LeBron, and whereas they could just get rid of him after LeBron left and hire someone else. So I understood that from his point of view. So, right. But also at the same time, if he does do a three-year deal, that's not to say that he can't leave after one if he gets a head coaching job somewhere. So True. It, he's Good not point. locked into a deal for three years if he signs it. So. The length of the deal, I think, is not as big of a deal as maybe you might be saying, but it, it will be interesting to see what, how long he signs for, how much they give him. But a, another side of this is, and there's a couple different sides, the Clippers won nearly 60 games with him as their assistant coach um, several years ago. And I think it was 57 was the number. And that was their highest number, I think, during the CP3 Blake Griffin era. So clearly he made an impact. There's no doubt about that. What also will be interesting to me is it's not often that you see two point guards um, on a staff, I think. I mean, that seems strange to me. That doesn't, I don't think it happens very often. And you're going to have Sam Cassell and you're going to have Ty Lue. So that'll be interesting to see them work with um, Shamit because I think that's going to be important to see and develop him into a true point guard and how that works out. But I don't know. It's a guy that clearly Doc trusts, there's no doubt about that, and they've done well with him. So it makes sense to add him to the staff. Yeah, there's, there is a little bit of a marriage aspect there. Um, I So there's the trolling aspect of it, which does feel like maybe there's a little bit of something going on, uh, and maybe it's, maybe it's Steve Ballmer. Uh, he seems like someone who might try to needle uh, a fellow ownership group, and that's fine. Uh, the, the other side of it is... As, as an associate or assistant head coach, whatever it turns out to be, your duties become a little bit more focused, where you're not as troubled with the same things that a, that a head coach is dealing with. That's going to fall on Doc's plate. So almost any mind that you bring... Like, I would have no problem with teams having seven, eight, nine assistant coaches. There, there's really... There's almost no downside other than having too many cooks in, like if they were all working with the same guy trying to change their shot. But that's not really how it goes. It's just there's so many things that you can work on with an NBA team. Having more people there is never really a bad thing. So outside of the L.A. battle, uh, there's no downside to having a decent basketball mind on your coaching staff. It's, it's a win-win, really. Yeah. On the college side, just to give people kind of a peek behind the curtain, there are normally three assistants and the head coach is not the one that does the scout on the team. There are three assistants, and they're the ones that take the scout on each individual team. So one assistant, let's say, for UC Irvine will have UC Davis. Another one will have CSUN. And they'll clip off different plays that are run by the other team and show it to their team. So they're in charge of the scout. And then they're also, during practices, one might be in charge of the bigs, Another one might be in charge of the guards. So everyone has, like you said, an individual role on the staff where they're doing something where it's specialized. And it's not just overarching like the, like Doc Rivers has to do. As the head coach, he's managing everybody 
and he's the one in charge of all the different groups and watching over while everyone else handles the little things underneath him. Yeah. So again, I mean, there's no there's no downside to having somebody else. I mean, this is this is something I'm learning uh, over the course of life. Basically, everywhere that I've worked in my life has been a relatively small operation. Visalia, uh, the Oaks, that way back in the day, um, working for a pregame, uh, a sports handicapping website, back to baseball, to work for the Bakersfield Blaze, now here with Hoopball. The one thing that has been the same at all of these places is that having more capable, warm bodies to do stuff is really freaking good. So, yeah, bring on capable people. There's, there's no downside to that. I actually think both LA teams have done a nice job of, of hiring capable and smart people to help their, uh, their on-court staff, not necessarily front offices, but you know, Lakers have a bunch of assistant coaches, uh, a lot of people, a lot of guys with a lot of experience, Clippers likewise. This is a good move. Uh, and Brandon, I know you're a baseball guy. You're an Angels fan. I follow the Dodgers a bit more closely. The Dodgers have like 15 coaches in the dugout these days. You might as well just spend on these things because it doesn't go into the salary cap in the NBA. You can pay more coaches, and it's just more people working on smart things to help your team. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I just think that there's going to be Twitter uproar when dude spurns LeBron goes to the other team in L.A. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm waiting for it to become official. I'm not sure why it's taking so long. I got to get a cake. See what's the deal? I mean, what what are you possibly working on contract wise? It takes a long time to make a chocolate chip cookie cake. Clearly, I mean, go to Mrs. Fields. It, <laughs> Ooh, they, they've got a delicious one. chocolate chip cookie cake. Oh, so it should good. not take very long. That's my birthday. If anybody's getting me a birthday cake next year, it's in June. Mrs. Fields chocolate chip cookie cake. Please send it to my doorstep. Oh, had it every single year. Oh, it's so good. Every single year as a kid, I had it. Get this uh, regular cake out of my way. I want cookie cake. You know who we should send a cookie cake to? We should send one to Boogie Cousins. Oh, because so boy, oh boy. I mean, you talk about mental health in the NBA and in all different sports. For a guy to have continuous injuries, big and ones, continually come back from injuries, tears his Achilles, works his ass off to rehab comes back and contributes for the Warriors, then gets hurt again in the playoffs. Torn and, quad. And then it tears his ACL. So Achilles, quad, and now ACL, um, I mean, that that mentally can, can absolutely ruin a human being. So take a, I mean, put the Clippers-Lakers rivalry aside. As a human being, you just got to feel terrible for Boogie Cousins. I mean, when you saw the news, I'm sure... Initially, when you saw, you were like, all right, hopefully it's nothing big. Mm -hmm. And I heard that apparently he went knee-to-knee with somebody in practice. I'm not sure if that's true. If it is, I don't know how you tear an ACL. But, boy, that that's that's tough. No, that I think the knee-to-knee thing was probably a – I saw that report, too. I'm guessing that was probably something that happened independent. That's not usually how uh, an ACL comes apart. So I think that may have just been a little thing that, that snuck out. Maybe people were trying to – keep the panic at a minimum at least at first but i mean if Woj tweets about an injury on august 15th it's probably not a good thing and then it it certainly wasn't i mean this is this is devastating for a lot of factors uh obviously for boogie himself who you like you said i mean uh he played what like 25 games during the regular season last year and a handful of playoff games that's going to be it for him over two 
basically two full years, forget NBA seasons, two full years of actual activity, uh, that that's going to be it. I mean, I don't see any way that he gets back unless the Lakers make the finals. He could play in like probably the last four games of the finals next year, you know, because this is like I'm an, not so sure that yeah. he tries to come back. I, no, I mean, there's no that point. Rehabbing is really, really tough on you mentally. And he's now done it twice from some big injuries. And now to have to do it a third time. Horrendous. That's a lot, man. That, I mean, I know he was considering retirement, I think, after he tore his Achilles. Um, I hope want- he had a cry. I hope he had a good cry over this one. Because that, that's, I mean, th- th- I mean, this is just, that, this, this should break a man, right? Like, this is, this is his livelihood. He's never going to get that big payday that everybody thought he was going to get. I don't think it's ever going to happen now. Uh, yeah. his, his whole, his entire life is changed because he's, I mean, he's technically in his prime. We're not talking about like a 36-year-old. We're talking about like a 30-year-old right now uh, yeah. who's going to miss his entire earnings window. And it's not, I mean, the players in the NBA love Boogie Cousins, which I think tells you everything you need to know about the guy. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation that got put out about him in Sacramento when you know certain entities up there wanted him gone and other ones wanted him to stay. Uh, he doesn't strike me as a guy that has built up the loving relationships with the media that you'd want to maybe go that route if an NBA career had ended. There's plenty of time to change that sort of thing. But um, at this point, I think if, if you're, you know, if you're boogie, you're trying to focus on uh, one day at a time. But for the rest of us who can look at it from a big picture standpoint, we just have to hope he plays again ever. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because one decision can change so many things. And the Clippers getting Kawhi is the reason why the Lakers got Boogie. Because the Lakers were waiting to see if they were going to use that money they had left on Kawhi. And then obviously once they didn't get them, there were a lot of people, including myself, that thought, okay, for sure, Boogie's now going to go to the Lakers. And I know Lakers fans are like, no, that's not going to happen. There's no reason for that. And I'm like, just just watch. I mean, they're, they're going to get Boogie. They have money to spend. There are not many teams that have the money to spend. And so they end up getting Boogie and just a fluke injury during a practice here in August. And all of a sudden, his career might be over. And I don't know what it's going to do now to the Western Conference. This is crushing. I I want it. I don't I'm not going to downplay this as a Lakers guy. I will. And I'd love to come up and hit you with sunshine and roses. This is this is a massive hit to the Lakers. He was not going to play a huge role, but he was going to play a a role that was big enough exactly. where critical he was, was going to play the center role with McGee and now you're left back to last year where you have McGee and now you're going to force Anthony Davis to play the 5 where I'm not sure he wants to play he the 5 he doesn't i mean he's been very he's been very open about the fact that he doesn't want to be the 5 so you know you're going to see as many minutes as JaVale McGee can handle i think you're going to see the lake out, the lakers uh, work out someone like a Joakim Noah, just somebody that can chew up like 13 center minutes off the bench and just go max energy. And he'll probably break down at some point, but you just, you know, you, you squeeze that, you milk that for all you can. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said it. I think Boogie's was set to play probably about 24 to 26 minutes a game this year, but they were going to be really critically important minutes for the Lakers. He was the guy. He was a big that could attack the rim and space the floor. He's an excellent passer, wildly underrated part of his game. He had 
racked up assists basically everywhere he's gone. Uh, and he's the guy that, you know, if AD had to miss a game for load management, he could slide in and have a bigger role. When those guys were off the floor, AD and LeBron, Boogie could actually be a guy that could initiate an offense off the bench for LA. This is this is a big deal. And honestly, he, to me, was the reason that I thought the Lakers could escape the West. He was the reason I thought they could get past. Because now, and this is a really remedial way to look at it, Brandon, but um, when I when I was sort of just stacking starting units against one another, and there wasn't even any necessarily set that Boogie was going to be the starting center, but he was the piece to me that gave the Lakers three guys in their starting unit that were better than the three guys they were up against on the other side. It gave them this 60-40 to 40 majority. And again, that's a very remedial way to look at it, but there were very few teams that could match up against those three guys and then whatever two other dudes, probably Danny Green and KCP or something like that. There were very two teams that could match up with that five set and say, we have advantages at more spots on the floor than you guys do, L.A. And that's now gone. Because there are a lot of centers in the NBA that are better than JaVale McGee. And the Lakers don't want to play Anthony Davis there. They want him healthy come postseason time. Uh, I don't know what they can do. There's just no, there's nothing that the Lakers can do to fix this moment. They have to, to, to me, I think they totally have to rethink their rotations for the entire year. And this puts a boatload of pressure on Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. And now the question is... Does this mean the Clippers are the clear favorites in the West yes. over the Lakers? Yes. I wish it was not the case as a Laker fan, but yes. This is I think this is this flips it. If they were close or if the Lakers were just ahead because of whatever you want to call it, Anthony Davis, maybe a hair better than Paul George, if you want to call LeBron Kawhi a wash, uh the Lakers had that third thing that made them tougher in a spot where if you're looking at the Clippers side, that was a position on the floor where the Clippers had a little bit of a weakness, and the Lakers just came back to them. Yeah, so, you got you to think about it, too, whereas the Clippers last year won 48 games without Kawhi and Paul George. And so if you look at the Lakers, if they lose a LeBron or an Anthony Davis, they've got very, very little to go forward with. Mm-hmm. Clippers, if they have to play a couple of games or a couple of weeks without Kawhi or PG— they still have the other with a very good group that's used to playing with each other and fights hard. I don't think the Lakers have that. Yeah. So with this injury now, you go from, like you said, with three guys that have been all-star caliber players and to now having two. And like you said, it, a lot of pressure now on Kyle Kuzma. And you wonder if he's going to be able to produce and if he's able to produce how much he produces, and if maybe he becomes a trade chip to try and get something else that you might need. So I think it'll be interesting to see now the Western Conference where you would think an injury like this wouldn't turn the conference upside down because Boogie obviously signed for, what, one year, $5 million or something with Golden State, and then he goes and signs for the Lakers and again doesn't get paid. But this is still a guy that when he's on the floor, he contributes. He may be a little slow at times, and look like he doesn't belong on the floor but this is still a guy who has been an all-star and is capable of being an all-star on a very good team yeah and actually uh better than one might expect outside shooter which was going to be a uh, a big deal with the way the lakers are constructed this year so this uh 
you're never going to frame this as good news for anybody because it's it's an awful thing that happened. Um, but you know, this is a Clippers podcast, and I'm a Laker fan coming on a Clippers show to say uh, your Clippers are almost undoubtedly the the best team in the West come playoff time. Now, of course, the regular season is a grind. Uh, you know, I, I've I think I've gone on paper saying that uh, I think Utah has the most wins in the West at the end of the regular season. Um, just cause they're all going to try to play all 82 games for some reason. That's, I just, I think that's what they're going to try to do. Even uh, after our conversation, you think Utah's going to win the West after we talked on, uh, the show I, fantasy NBA day on Wednesday about how they don't have much of a bench. Yeah. I just think they care more than other teams during the regular season. The regular season is all about whether or not you care. Milwaukee cared a lot this year. Denver cared a lot this year. That's why those teams were where they... I mean, they're good, right? Like, Milwaukee's a very good team. Denver's a good team. But they cared. They cared more than other teams did. Golden State still... <laughs> they still had the number one seed in the West, but they didn't care. Uh, you, you could see in the eyes of, of these teams who was really... Like, Toronto, they won a lot of games, but they were not... They weren't going full bore every single night. Uh, and there weren't that many other teams that had the things going on that we'll have this coming year. Uh, I think there are more teams this coming season that have those weird emotional things in the background than maybe last year. And to me, Utah is a team that's really going to care. This is like their year to prove themselves. Yeah, I, I could see that. And the altitude thing really does help, though. When you have yeah, a home court does. advantage like that, that Denver and Utah have, it, it really does help you um, win a lot of games that maybe you shouldn't with teams on back-to-backs um, and the likes. Oh, any, massive. Any more? Go ahead. No, yeah, I saw a stat come by on Twitter a couple days ago, and I forget the exact number, but I think Utah hosts eight teams on the second half of a back-to-back, and Denver only like three. So Utah actually has a little bit of an edge there as well. There's all these tiny things that go into the long NBA season that we'd, we would totally overlook, like games where you have more rest than your opponent, uh, who has to travel the most in the NBA. By the way, spoiler alert, uh, Portland is always in the top three every year because they're not near anybody, uh, any other teams in the NBA. They have no close opponents. Uh, but all that stuff adds up, and so that's why I think Utah's going to... They're just going to go full bore. Now, injuries could could blow all that up, but, you know, I mean, we're talking about L.A. teams right now. Mostly, these are two teams that just want to make the playoffs because I don't think the Lakers or the Clippers care if they're at home or on the road come playoff time. These are... You know, LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, you think either of those guys gives a crap if they're playing at home or on the road? They can win at either spot. No, no. And especially with get what's happened recently with the Clippers is that some of their home games in the playoffs aren't much of home games when you're playing a team <laughs> like the Golden State Warriors. So I, I'm not sure it matters, especially when they went, and I think they won two games um, in Golden State. Yep. This and that's without year. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, exactly. Who went yeah. in and won a bunch of games in Golden State in the finals himself. Yeah, I, I don't think it matters that much. Um, let's talk a little bit of schedule before uh, we let you go. Sure. Uh, first of all, I don't think the Clippers have any games at Denver or Utah as the second game of a back-to-back. So that's something that's definitely important. Lakers have throw- two, by the way. Lakers have two. Yeah, that's interesting. The Clippers have zero, I think. The, the first game, I think, is at, the, is at one of those two teams, but not the second game. The Clippers have 13 back-to-backs. Um, seven of their first 10 games are at home. They start with the Lakers. This is a tough schedule. They start with the Lakers, and they go at Golden State, at Phoenix, versus Charlotte, at Utah, versus San Antonio, versus Utah, 
versus Milwaukee versus Oof. Portland versus Toronto. Ooh, that's a gauntlet outside of, what was that, games two and three sounded easy? Yeah, three is Phoenix and four is Charlotte. Oh, there it was, three and four. Yeah. Man. It's, that's tough. That is it, tough. That's a really tough way to open up. Yeah, that's um, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on guys to sort of figure out how to play with one another, and this will be... I have all the faith in the world, by the way, that Doc Rivers will be able to handle that situation because the only thing that could get in the Clippers' way is like a weird media bonfire that they get off to a poor start. They'll be fine. It's just going to exacerbate things, playing good teams when you're still trying to figure out how to play with one another. I believe the Lakers have a similar problem. Uh, It would be nice to open up a season for both L.A. teams uh, against cake opponents so you can kind of feel things out, grab a few wins while you're feeling things out. Uh, but if you have to take a few lumps early, meh, it'll be fine. It's, uh, you know what, frankly, it'll force you to get better quicker. Yeah, I think the Clippers very conceivably could open up 5-5. Five and five. Um, Oh, especially yeah. If they, if they don't have Paul George and you're relying just on Kawhi, and you're playing the likes of the Lakers, Golden State, Utah twice, Milwaukee, Portland, Toronto. It's a tough schedule. So the hot takes will be there. I talked about that with Justin, that no matter what happens, these first two games against the Lakers and the Warriors, there are going to be comments from the media, whether it be that they're 2-0, and that all of a sudden the Clippers are going to go 82-0, and whether it be that they're 0-2, do we, do we think the Clippers maybe we're going to succeed too quickly? Or even if it's one and one, is this team even that good? I really think we're going to learn a lot um, from the Clippers, but not in the first 10 games. I I think (laughs) it's going to be in the first 20 or 25 games. I need to amend Uh, my previous remark, by the way. The Lakers actually have an insanely difficult December, not October, November. So it is flip-flop. So the Lakers get a slight edge on that one. Yeah, the Lakers start off easy. I remember uh, seeing that. The Lakers start off much easier than the Clippers. There are a couple of road trips. The Grammy road trip, for some reason, is only four road games. Huh. That's very interesting. The longest road trip, I believe, is six for the Clippers. Um, so that'll be interesting. The Clippers play the Lakers four times. Mm. October 22nd to open up. Christmas, Christmas. January 28th, and, and March 8th. I actually like that because it means they don't play again after March 8th. Um, so we won't see them play each other again for at least a month and a half or so. You're killing me right now, Brandon. I'm so damn excited for this NBA season. And now you're listing off all the games and when they're happening. And then I looked at my calendar and it's August 15th and I got sad. Yeah, yeah it's sad. But listen, August 15th, before you know it, two months away from uh, mm. Clippers Lakers opening it up on the 22nd. October so- 22nd, man. We should have a hoop ball like... Uh, satellite uh, we'll, we'll all go on a hangout together and have a viewing do a live party. show we yeah do a live youtube show watching the game just all of us sitting there with our beer in yeah. hand watching basketball that might actually be a lot of fun yeah you never know uh one more thing for the schedule um we're going to talk more about this next week hoping to get andrew greif of the la times or dj foster of the ringer one of those two guys hopefully we'll hop on the show um but the april schedule is interesting to me they play at sacramento versus Oklahoma City at Utah versus Chicago versus Golden State versus Minnesota at Portland. A little bit easier of a schedule to round out than you start with. Um, so when you're looking for playoff positioning, those will be the teams that you'll be facing. What, what do you think about that schedule? I don't think the Clippers are going to be that 
worried about it in March and April. I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. I, I know there are a lot of teams in the Western Conference that uh, that are going to have their sort of claim to getting into the postseason. But by the time, well, you know, maybe maybe let's say uh, let's say mid March rolls around. I, I think you're going to see the cream rising to the top, and you're going to have. I think you're going to have the Suns on the outside looking in. The Grizzlies will obviously be on the outside looking in. Uh, and that, boy, you take a couple of these other teams. The Thunder will be on the outside looking in. I don't think the Mavs are going to be that close at that point. They'll be better this year. But um, you're going to need to be up around, well, last year the eight seed was the Clippers with 48 wins. Uh, you're going to need around that many again this season. So you, you just wipe out teams that are not, going to get near Minnesota I don't think he's getting anywhere near 48 wins this season so unless the Clippers are really scuffling and fighting for the eight seed I think they're going to be in okay position they probably can go 500 down the stretch and they'll be fine with a six five four three something in that range so uh I would prefer it if I'm the Clippers I would have actually much rather get your easy games in earlier so you can pile up those wins and then you could really coast down the stretch uh, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite, by the way, and way to end a season. I, I'd rather have some tougher opponents at the end when you don't really need to worry about the games and you can mail them in if you want. Yeah, that's true. I mean, two of the last three are at Portland and versus Golden State. So Those are tougher, yes. It, obviously, Sacramento, Oklahoma City, and Chicago, three of the first four in that last uh, bit is easier. But I, I think the Clippers will end up with probably the two or the three seed when all is said and done. Um, just because they're going to load manage uh, Paul George and Kawhi. But nonetheless, I mean, I think that obviously the start of the season will be a little difficult. And the end of the season, who knows where uh, where teams will be. You look at the schedule in April, in August, and it looks a lot different than when you look at it in March because teams are not as good as you thought and some teams are way better than you thought. So looking at it now is fun, but you really have no idea who's going to be good and who's actually going to be fighting for playoff positioning and will care about those games. Here's my hot take for the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very reasonable chance the Houston Rockets are the number one seed in the West. Ooh, that is hot. Yeah. Uh, that, is, that is rocket hot. Same issue, same thing with Utah. It's sort of the same backbone of guys that don't skip games and just want, like Russell Westbrook wants. He doesn't want it. He wants all things. So they're going to be going full tilt. I know we've heard these rumors that Houston's going to load manage. I don't think they're going to do it. Uh, so, And they won 53 games last year, you know? And they're better by all accounts. I don't know how much, but they are better. Um, Denver, we'll see. I, I've, I, th- I don't think they're going to want it as much this year. But there's a, there's a very real chance that the Lakers and Clippers could be looking at four and five seeds between the two teams. They may want to try to no. avoid one another. Please, no. I, I think they'll do whatever they can to avoid each other in the first round. I would. I'll tank the hell out of those games. <laughs> Dodge play. Yeah. Nothing, I, I mean, you and I can both agree. We want this Lakers-Clippers to be the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I want nothing to do with the Lakers in the first <laughs> round. That, that would be just so brutal. That, I mean, that's It's crazy to think of when, that the, two, two, I mean, the top two teams are the Lakers and the Clippers, but we're talking about Houston, Denver, Utah, that could easily be the top three teams mm-hmm. in the West. Yeah. I mean, what if Portland has another big year? I think they're going to take a step back, but... Me too. Yeah. 
terrified of that prospect. Please don't do it. Get him get him apart. I'm sure Adam Silver is moving chess pieces as we speak. Yeah, no. No, no, thank you. No Clippers Lakers. That's our final wish for uh, the NBA season is no Clippers Lakers in the first round. Well, Dan, we appreciate uh, you pinch hitting here on uh, the Hoop Ball Clippers show. I know it's uh, something that you weren't used to uh, discussing, the Clippers. No, nah, but- I watch a lot of basketball. You know me. I'm just always sitting around watching hoops. And plus, I could bring a little bit of the other L.A. perspective. And I, I hope that I didn't irritate the listenership too much with kind of the here's what it looks like from through the lenses of purple and gold yeah well it's always interesting to get that view well he uh you can follow dan on twitter at dan bespris b-e-s-b-r-i-s i'm brandon at bd marcus it is at hoopball clips and at hoopball fantasy and i believe this is a is this show officially presented by high kona coffee can we can we say that sure it is hawaiian isles baby Oh, there you go. The Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. The two guys that aren't big on coffee, but boy, it smells good. And we know that uh, that's a place that you can go and order on Amazon. And ooh, if you're a coffee drinker, highly, highly suggest it. Yeah, so, every, every, yeah. uh, every piece of change that I throw into mall water fountains, I'm wishing that I could digest caffeine better. That's so such far, a weird wish. So, so far, it hasn't worked. Oh, what a tremendous way to go full circle on this podcast. (laughs) We start off just completely off track and just end it off track by throwing coins into the wishing well. So uh, I think that'll do it for the show. Uh, I'm Brandon. He's Dan. Appreciate everybody listening. Again, follow us at Hoopball Clips. This has been the Hoopball Clippers podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.